You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Today, as always, by my co-host, Step Chad, Chad C. How are you? I'm just over here living in the twilight world, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> um, all right, so, you know, quick recap. Last time we were talking Glory, uh, 1989 Civil War film featuring Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, a bunch of other cats. Um, you know, our uh, go back and listen if you haven't. Uh, it was definitely a good movie to revisit. I think... You know, Chad, I don't know about you, but uh, thinking about that movie since we saw it and then kind of stepped through it in the previous episode of Movie Homework, um, I've had a couple conversations about it with my friends since then. And it, it's funny, we sort of stepped through it and it's like, oh yeah, Glory, great movie. But but my, my buddies said the same thing, but they also admitted, they're like, oh, you know what, you're right, I haven't seen that in like 15 years. And I was like, yeah, so, you know. <laughs> Yep. Maybe worth the rewatch. But yeah, go and uh, listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, but today we are jumping into a, uh, a very different kind of movie. Um, in uh, conjunction with the recently released A Haunting in Venice, Kenneth Branagh movie, uh, we decided that this was the opportune moment to jump into the best film of 2020 and maybe the decade. We'll see. Uh, Tenet. Uh, here <laughs> is the trailer for Tenet. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike, bring me in. You really want to know? He can communicate with the future. Time travel. No. Inversion. Uh, okay, so, Tenet. Um, obviously complicated circumstances under which this movie was released. Um, but, Chad, you get to see stuff uh, early. Was this something that you got to uh, an early screening of, despite the fact it was 2020 and... COVID was going on and all that, those shenanigans at the time? Not not really, no. Uh, I remember this, of course, had a weird rollout. So it came out that Friday the 3rd, but they started early access screenings that Monday the 31st, I remember. And so they just did a did like multiple shows the week leading up to it. Uh, so I probably watched it right around that time. I actually did a very... It, this wasn't my first movie back uh, after we were shut down for that whole summer. But I, I do remember vividly watching this with my dad, uh, in uh, like after hours, it was of course fucking loud as shit, and I, I like I vividly remember like okay, yes, this is what I've been missing, like you know, like this theatrical experience of just being here. Um, I think mm. what Unhinged and New Mutants came out a few weeks before that, right? Uh, those oh, were like sure. the first first ones back, but yeah, this was like all right, yes, this is what we have been missing. So yeah, I, I remember vividly seeing this for the first time, and then I, I actually had not seen it. I, I watched it, I, I, and then. 
to coincide with that, I remember Alex came like halfway from Illinois and I met him in Hannibal, Missouri, and we watched this after hours again together. And that was the second time, and I have not seen it since. So uh watched it twice in the last few weeks here. These were I was like reliving that again three years ago, like yeah. vividly remembering this. What I mean, you went to the theater for this too, right? Yeah, so my experience was was complicated. So obviously, this was I think this was my first movie back. Um, okay, I don't I, I remember it being a long expanse of time, mm-hmm. being at home every week and going out to the grocery store and then really nowhere else for a long time. Not that I need to remind anybody listening to this show what <laughs> COVID was like, but um, the the fact that the movie you know the the release date was getting pushed and kind of moved around a little bit, nobody really knew where it was. I remember posting on social media like you know news updates of the fact that we're going to be indoors for another month and you know i just like please release tenant you know it's like i have one track mind like i don't care if the super virus kills us all i just need to see tenant before i go like give me that please um so i was obviously super super hyped um my first attempt at seeing it was going to the drive-in and i've definitely told this story on a podcast oh yeah Mm -hmm. i do remember but uh for those who haven't heard it um Went to the drive-in. I had a plan. I said, okay, it's a Nolan movie. Myself, my now wife, at the time she was my fiancé, and my my friend and his girlfriend, the four of us were going to go. We were going to have a couple of beers. We were going to get full, you know, pop-up chairs, sit outside the car. I had four Bluetooth speakers that I was going to, uh, like, like, mesh array together connect the phone to the speaker so we could turn the car off, didn't have to worry about the exhaust the whole time, sit out the back of the car, watch the movie at the drive-in. Get to the drive-in, and it turns out that this particular drive-in, first of all, was the only place playing Tenet at the time. So it wasn't at the IMAX yet. Drive-in was the only option, okay? Okay. Um, You know, sun goes down, movie's about to start, and I'm trying to connect to the local broadcast, whatever it is, like 93.8 or whatever. And uh, I can connect in the car, but I can't connect on the phone. So I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Like, when I connect in the phone, it's taking me to some other station elsewhere. So, you know, I've got the speakers, I've got the setup, we've got the chairs, we've got the beers, we've got everything. And for some reason, the radio will not connect. So the movie starts, and I'm sweating bullets for ten minutes trying to make the audio work. And there's no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. So I just kind of stand there completely defeated. I'm like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. I'm really sorry. I don't. It's it's not working. I don't. I don't know. We should probably just get the fuck out of here. So I'm like, all right. So, you know, we uh, pack everything up in the car, go to leave. I check the radio in the car. It definitely is tuned to the right station. So I don't know what's going on here. Uh, of course, we spill a beer in the back seat of the car as we're driving the fuck out of there, which was great. <laughs> um, but we get up to the, the front and we ask one of the clerks or the manager, we're just like, yeah, I, for some reason we can't connect on the phone here. We have these Bluetooth speakers. We were trying to, you know, set this up like an actual movie theater. And, behind, you know, she's standing there and she's like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. We're not set up for, uh, you know, for, for Internet capabilities here. And I was just like, you know what, you people, you have a chance to, like, have people back at your business spending money. And uh, it, the year is 2020, and you're not embracing modern technology? Fuck you. So I will <laughs> never go back to that uh, that drive-in. Coincidentally, we went back to my buddy's house, and uh, it did turn into a good night. We actually got drunk and watched Snowpiercer, which was a lot more fun than I expected <laughs> it to be. Um, 
But yeah, so that was tough. So so then, uh, like a week later, I just said, fuck it. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'll get the, the best possible uh, mask, and I'm just going to go to the IMAX when it's there. So Meg and I did that. We got uh, seats at the back of the theater. The closest people to us were at least 50 feet away. I mean, they, they probably only sold like 40 tickets in the whole theater, so they could mm-hmm. space everybody out. Yep, the distancing, yep. Yep, and uh, yeah, I... I'm not there. I'm, I'm not a fan of the back row for the IMAX, but it was what we could get, and you know that was kind of the compromise. And sat in the seat, and I immediately said, "Fuck this!" Took the mask off, and I was just in it. And uh, it's kind of a similar experience to what you said. You know that as soon as the score started, and that sort of like pulse pounding beat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a John David Washington is like lined up with a bunch of SWAT team members, and you know gets tapped on the shoulder, and then they start moving, and, and the percussion's just like, you know, and mm-hmm. I was in fucking it uh so long story for the first watch there but that was uh those were the circumstances under which we saw the movie so um what we're here for that's right um so tenet is impossible to talk about plot wise it just is um there's i think there are some movies as the kids say that kind of just run on vibes i think this movie is very much a vibes movie I think you have to accept what Nolan is trying to do and just kind of go with him, go on the ride, you know, let the editing take you from scene to scene and just sort of let the score propel you through what you're seeing. I remember seeing this for the first time and thinking, okay, I've got an idea of how this is working and it goes for about an hour and 20 minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm on board, I'm on board. And then there's a scene with a red room and a blue room, and my yep. <laughs> my brain just fucking melted. And I was like, I don't know what to think here. Now, I will say, I know a lot of people have problems with this movie, and that's typically where their problems start. Yep. I'm the type of person that I saw that, and I immediately leaned forward, and I was just like, holy shit, what is this? You know? <laughs> um, so, I, different, different strokes, I guess. But... Um, I do have a little piece of Nolan talking about not necessarily the making of the movie, but um, a little bit of his perspective on how he approached putting it together. Um, so let me, let me play a little bit of this before we move forward here. Well, I've always had had good luck really just following my instincts in terms of I'm a member of the audience. If I want to see something different and original and exciting that, that maybe challenges me a bit or whatever... Uh, I just trust that there are other people like that out there in the world looking for something, you know, a little bit different that um, hopefully can still entertain and, and excite in, in all the ways that we go to the movies to to be entertained and excited and sort of taken on a thrill ride. Uh, that's that's the most important thing. But if there can be more layers to that or things that, you know, spin around in your mind after you've seen it, um, I, I think that's a, that's a win-win. Um. So he, he he's honestly to me he sounds a lot like Christopher McQuarrie there you know um, similar kind of style uh, in terms of the audience perspective on what they're seeing um, you know being in a theater making that theater experience vital to enjoying the film properly you know mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's one thing I really respect about Nolan and obviously I'm a big Nolan guy but. I do think that he is somebody who is sort of keenly aware of making sure that an audience is engaged and, and, and responding to something while they're, 
and, and gives you a reason to go out to the theater to see something. Obviously, Oppenheimer's, I think it just crossed the $900 million mark. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The guy, I think, is he's dialed in in a, in a way that maybe not a lot of filmmakers are to making smart blockbuster filmmaking for for adults, you know. Um, but uh, I, I could keep rambling on in that direction, but I wasn't sure whether or not you had any box office info for this movie for us. And I know this, it's going to be severely truncated because of the circumstances and everything else. Sure. But as a matter of fact, I do. Matter of fact, I have a... Um, so yeah, this this opened at 9.3 million domestically. It ended up yeah. coming in at 50, 58 all in. But worldwide is really... It ended up uh, $205 million budget and then eventually ended up grossing 365.3 worldwide. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know what all the back-end deals are like, how those work, but it ended up being semi-profitable. Uh, just sure. not necessarily... Uh, I think it made a lot of money in China. I don't necessarily think uh, it... The problem is, like you were saying earlier, I think... I'm glad we're going to get this out and actually talk about it, because I think most most of the conversation around this movie is about the release pattern of it, and, oh, sure. Nolan's trying to save theaters, oh, this, this. And that's honestly was discussed about like more about this movie than the actual plot or anything to do with it so i think sure. that this movie has a, a mark on it because of that and people still associate like you've been going to theaters what the fuck were you thinking nolan <laughs> essentially it was like all right but yeah so that's, that's ended up doing that altogether. but like as far as 2020 concerned it, it was the number 12 grosser uh domestically uh because of right i mean earlier in that year was bad boys sonic those yeah. Birds of Prey, Doolittle, those movies before uh, the world shut down, and then this was sure. kind of at that tail end there. And then Wonder Woman 84 released day and date. So there, there's a lot of asterisks, of course, with anything with 2020, but still came out came out ahead. So Yeah. On, you know, um, you uh, saved cinema yeah. in my mind, you know. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's funny. A buddy of mine, it, it, I'm so, – so there's – you know, I make no bones about it. I, I'm, I'm like mildly obsessed with Tenet. I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies, but I just, I am, I am in it a lot. And one of my friends who at the time was living in Iowa, who Chad, you know, uh, Oh, how do I? Yeah. He was, uh, (laughs) he, he and I have been just huge fucking fans of Tenet since it came out. And a lot of our like bonding over COVID would be when this thing was released finally, and it was available to go and buy. Either of us would be watching it. We'd find, like, a new detail, and it's like, hey, hey. You know, so we just call each other at, like, 9.30 at night. It's like, (laughs) hey, man, what's up? And then whoever's on the other line would just get it. No greeting, just, I don't know if you realized, but pull-up? Pull-up is a palindrome. What is the protagonist doing at multiple points in this movie? And then just hang up the phone. You know, shit like that. (laughs) Shit like that. Um, So, yeah, this movie very much became, like, a, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to call it like a meme, but there's an, there's an obsession factor to it because I'm so fascinated by the, uh, it, it's not even the plot. It's just the idea is so fucking potent. And I, I, I don't know that I ever want to see a sequel to this movie, but I do want to see somebody take the concept and run with it in a different direction. Cause it is so interesting. Um, but this is probably a good time for us to try and break down what we can of the plot. So not simple, but essentially <laughs> you have a character who is referred to as the protagonist. That's John David Washington. He initially is trying to recover 
an item or extract a person. I'm, I'm still a little fuzzy on exactly what the objective is in the opening scene. However, while he's there, he is found out by somebody. That person then goes to essentially torture him by ripping all his teeth out and bringing him to the brink of death. He takes a cyanide pill that he has you know, to kill himself, wakes up on a boat... Uh, the guy in the boat tells him, you know, I, I have a mission for you. Uh, I can't tell you much about it. I, I can only give you a word combined with a gesture. He puts his hands together. He says, tenet. It'll get you, it'll open all the right doors and some of the wrong ones. Um, and that's it. So then he's off and he has to figure out what the fuck's going on. He has a lead to go to this woman who is a uh, scientist. Bria. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. She then, like describes to him the idea that there are objects whose relation to time has been inverted. So they, they're, they're objects that have been inverted and they're actually moving backwards through time while the rest of us are moving forwards through time. Uh, so this concept is, is explained. Uh, the protagonist then uh, sort of moves on to <laughs> the next thing uh, where he meets Neil, Robert Pattinson's character. Mm, yes, yes, yes. They then need to go and meet up with a broker of some kind in, is that Bombay? I want to say somewhere in India. Um, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I, I was jumping ahead. Priya is this scene. Not Priya. It's not the, 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 the other scene is the, what's her name? Is it, does she have a name? Is it Barbara or something? The, the, the lady he's teaching yeah. him about the, don't, sorry. Don't try yes. to understand it. Feel it. That lady. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Goes to talk to Priya. Priya gives him some information. He and Neil then start investigating uh, this guy, Sator, who might have something that they need. You'll notice that I've seen this movie probably a dozen times, and these details just do not fucking matter. Like, they mm-hmm. they do... All you need to know about this movie is that there's there are, there's, there are objects that need to be acquired. And those objects, if inverted and sent backwards through time could then be sent back to somebody who could detonate them in the past and destroy time and the universe. However, the question that the movie presents is, isn't our existence already proof that the plan fails? And like, where is the line between what is, what is fate and what is determined and what is actually free will? And there's a, there's a lot, uh, philosophically to dig into in this flick um getting back to the plot uh protagonist <laughs> runs into sator's wife uh gets some information <laughs> yes gets some information that she had she's essentially blackmailed into staying with him they have a son um elizabeth Sator, the also the tallest woman on earth by the way tallest alien looking lady giant possible six three she i I looked i was like i I remember when i watched this movie i was like god damn i've never realized she's towering over brana john david washington everyone yeah looked it up six three she she is like the tallest actress reported in hollywood next to gwendolyn christie so she's fucking giant makes sense (laughs) choke slam me is what she'll do (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry for sidetracking so sounds like you've thought about this a lot so um but, uh, yeah, so that from there, it becomes kind of like a James Bond movie for a little while. The protagonist is hanging out with Sator. 
They were on like catamarans, racing, protagonist saves Sator. Then uh, like a plane (laughs) crashes into a hangar. They're trying to get information. I think this is before Sator. They're trying to get information. Yep. Yep. And then uh, like they, while they're in there, they find this fucking machine where simultaneously, (laughs) yeah, a guy comes out on one side moving in reverse. And it seems like another guy comes out on the other side moving forward. And it just gets nuts. And, And just when you think like you're starting to get a grasp on the concept of the movie, this fucking sequence happens in the middle where they have to get an object out of a truck and all of a sudden they get the object, they're driving away and a truck, an Audi starts barreling down the road in reverse. All of a sudden the character that we didn't expect to see in this spot is now in this spot. Um, Another car flips up and is moving in reverse. Objects are, are exchanged. We get to a red room, blue room. Shit starts popping off. And then I, I got a little audio from this sequence for you. It just it just gets nuts. It's in the clock box. We're going to check this is real. Three, okay. two, okay. one. Next door. Tell me or I'll shoot her again. Tell me now, is it really in the BMW? I don't know. You left it in the car, not the fire truck, right? Who told you that? If you're not telling the truth, she dies. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. We don't have to talk about plot anymore. It just—it's totally fucking irrelevant to this movie. This scene, you're either in or you're out when you see this scene. So when you saw this, were you in or out? How'd you feel? Mm, so I think, like you were saying earlier, I was very much oh, like, I got this, cool, I'm with it, I'm totally like, all right, I got that, I get it. it's a weird whatever. But yeah. then yeah, this scene happens, and I was like, what the fuck. Uh, I honestly don't remember the first time I saw it, how I felt. Second time, I was definitely more on board. And then this time, it had been three years since I'd seen it, essentially. And I remembered all over again. I'm like, wait a minute, this is the scene in the movie where everything fucking like, all right, everything I thought I knew, I didn't know. Right. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm on board with it, of course. But of course, like you were saying, most things go out the window. So I was just kind of there with it. I, I'm, I'm there because of... Like, this seems to me, like, in general, this movie, people complain about, what, Inception being literally all exposition, and this, to me, is like Nolan's, like, hey, you hated all that exposition I gave you. How about right. fuck you? I'm not giving you any exposition. So, right. I mean, and that, so that I appreciate about this movie a lot. Uh, yeah, I think I was there. I, I, I'm there with this scene, right? I mean, it, it, it is definitely confusing, and I'm not going to ever attempt to be like, I understand it, because there's still a lot of questions I have about this movie. But mostly the experience, and I think... <laughs> I'm going to go back to this most of the time, which, spoiler alert, my fucking Ammon quote is, don't try to understand it, feel it, which is like the fucking thing with this movie, especially as a theatrical experience movie. You're feeling it. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't really know where I was going to say. So here, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I'm I'm, I'm a director's guy, right? I love auteur directors. I love... 
um, seeing something in a movie I've never seen before, and then if it's executed really well. The first time I saw this, my brain was just like set on fire. Like I, I was just like, oh my God. Like immediately I'm trying to think, okay, how, how do you come up with this idea? And I immediately visualized a VCR and I was like, okay, so if you have a tape, a physical tape and you rewind the tape, you're inverting the tape. I, I, I bet you any kind of money, Nolan came up with this idea when he was like scrubbing on like an editing timeline and he was like, oh, wait a minute, inverting. I can, I, if I could physically move an object backwards through time, what would that be like? And how would that object interact with our world? Or maybe that person. And that's, I feel like that was where the idea comes from. And then the red room, blue room scene had to have been where he started to, to just build from, you know, and say like, yeah. okay, if I have two characters who are going to have a conversation, one of them is moving backwards through time, the other one moving forwards through time, it's going, it will operate in such a way that the, <laughs> the protagonist is going to be volunteering information to the person inverted in time before that person even enters the room in regular time, which means that the protagonist would be inadvertently revealing information before he even knows he's revealing it based on how the conversation goes. Like, mm -hmm. your brain gets twisted into pretzels trying to think about it. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those, it's like that line in Looper, right? You know, I could sit here at a table and, and, you know, with straws and try and lay it all out, but it doesn't make sense. Don't think about it, you know? Um, no. I, I would never say don't think about this movie because I think about it a lot and, and I'm, I'm like fascinated by how it's put together. You know, the construction of it. Um, I do have some sympathy for folks who just want to sit down and watch a movie though. I get that. Totally get that. There are plenty of movies out there for you then. You know, just like don't watch yeah. this one. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah. well, I think actually going back to this specific scene, I, I was coming off of a Twin Peaks binge too. So very much yes. that, I mean, you know, getting fucking the Black Lodge, like, oh my God, what is this? Am I living in the Twilight world? Really? Like, what is this? What is COVID? Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, right. this is like right back in it. So yeah, I mean, this this is, I think the, this scene is obviously what makes or breaks this movie for a lot of people, right? I think, yes. I mean, I, I honestly think this is the scene that my dad looked over to me and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much is like, what? And I'm like, Dad, this, there's not explosions. Stallone and Schwarzenegger aren't it. I'm sorry. You, you got to go with it. Go with it. You got an hour and a half left. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I'm, I think my dad caught this when it was available to him. And I think he maybe watched it once. And uh, I haven't heard anything about it since. So I know how that went. You know? Yep. But, um, but yeah, so something there, there, there's interesting threads in this movie regarding like entropy and time travel of an object. So there's an episode of Rick and Morty that actually visualizes this in a really uh, funny way. Excuse me. Where there's a, I want to say it's like a hat. I, I can't remember what the object is, but basically Rick has a hat or, or, or a shirt or something. And an episode ends where his time traveling self 
comes to retrieve the item. And when he retrieves the item, he then goes back in time and just lives the rest of his life to get to the point where he's a little bit older to then give the item back to himself when he gets to the point in his life later where, like, the younger self comes to time travel, grab the object, and repeat the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So it presents this, like, paradox where this item was never actually created or destroyed. However, in the show, it does physically degrade over time. So at some point, this loop has to break, right? Um, like if it's a hat, it's gonna, it's, it's obviously not gonna survive forever. So, so at a certain point, it's not like the the hat is immortal. So what does that mean, right? Like if you're, if you have an object that's stuck in a time loop, how do you get the idea across that like there, are, there's a paradox at play that you can't really square? Um, the three pieces of the bomb that they're assembling in this movie are kind of like that because they invert. At the end of the movie, when they have the three objects, the three of them invert, they go and hide the objects somewhere, and then those objects will eventually be found, reassembled, and brought back to that place in time where they will then, again, be brought back, hidden, and over and over and over and over again, back and forth, this keeps happening, you know? Um, that, like, it, it just fucks with my head. Like, I can't, <laughs> you, you, you can't think about that for too long, because you'll just start, like, boiling your brain. Um, crazy <laughs> shit. The, the, the cinematography in this movie is so fucking cool. So the Freeport sequence where the plane crashes into the hangar, the first time you see it, you know, you're, you're going through the movie. You don't know what you're in for. You don't know what you're seeing. Really. You kind of just ride through to the end and move on to the next scene. When they double back after the red room, blue room sequence, it is a much more interesting scene because if you look closely, you can actually see the protagonist and Neil inverted a couple of times in the background, like either entering or exiting the hangar while they're focusing on one of them in the foreground, which is fucking nuts. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's so wild that, that Nolan thought to put that stuff in there. Um, so that stuff's really cool. Uh, there's also these weird coincidences with the movie. For instance, you know, early in the movie, the protagonist is dropped off inside of a um, wind turbine, right? And he's kind of, he's there for a few days until like a boat picks him up, takes him somewhere else. Um, weirdly, when they're inverted traveling through the water again on, on a boat, they happen to be traveling past those, those wind turbines. Now, they don't bring up the fact that, you know, that boat stops anywhere but I'd be very interested to know whether or not there was a scene that Nolan had an idea for where, like, inverted Neil, Cat, uh, and um, protagonist are in one section of the ship while, like, normal protagonist is in another section of the ship unaware that they're on the same boat at the same time, you know? Um, the, the little details like that are kind of fun for the rewatch value here. But um, And then the, the, the finale. Like, I... The fact that there are, there's this thing called the temporal pincer maneuver, where you have a team moving forward through time and a team moving backward through time, and both are able to feed each other information on how to execute a mission. It's just like, I don't even, I can't, like, <laughs> I can't describe how cool I think that is. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, it's so fucking awesome. 
Um, yeah, you got but, one, one not introverted, one introverted going at the same time. Like, who the fuck are they fighting? That's yeah, that's a good. That's question. always been a that, yeah. That's always been the biggest question of mine because you don't see that. You just see the team inverting and the other team going, and it's all happening. And I'm there with it, but I'm like. It's a big war. But we're the who's who are they shooting at? <laughs> that's that's buildings a good are exploding. <laughs> There's also a question by the end of this movie. So we we learn by the end that the protagonist has actually been you know orchestrating events bef- way before we even meet him or know him. Right. Yep. I wonder if there's an argument to be made that he is the one who puts into motion the steps by which Sator gets the pieces of the bomb all together in one place to put together so that he can get his hands on that, those three pieces, you know, like I wonder how much of that is actually thought out in the future. It's, it's the one area where I would love to see like a novelization or something of what happens after this movie's over to see just how much is the protagonist's plan to, to get this under control. Um, Yeah. So you're, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in closing shit, but yeah. it's good, you mentioned earlier you don't necessarily want to tenant too, but right. There's right. there's there's so many so many they get up to they get up to some stuff, they get up you to know. Some stuff. They him do. and him and Neil, you know. They do. That kind of side side movie, you know, but uh, the the problem is that he's not with Warner Brothers anymore and they own the IP to this. So uh yeah. I'm in yeah. that relationship and we might get another. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But um okay, so before we get into superlatives, I had actually so I've done a lot of talking about this movie so far. I can go on. I I've spent a lot of time watching this movie over the years. You have only seen it what three times over the last few years? I watched it twice in the last couple of weeks. I did it four times. Okay. So, yep. okay. Yep. so coming from your perspective, what are the problems that you see with this movie? Like, what are the things that are bugging you with it? Because I, I have a feeling that I, I have a little bit more of a rose-colored glasses here. We'll say not necessarily. I mean, I, like I said with that that quote, you know, don't. Feel, don't try to understand it, feel it. That's kind of where I'm at with this movie. Because, I mean, yes, most of the time I'm, I would like a nice, you know, give me a decent story, give me a good plot. But this is kind of th- all thrown out the window. So I'm appreciating this movie on a scale of just, just really the scale of it. I mean, right? I mean, the, the set pieces are fucking great in this. This is Nolan's... Oh my, like homage to fucking Bond movies, right? I mean, I really got that on this this these viewings of the past few weeks. This is really like his kind of mashup of Mission Impossible and Bond movies together. Mm. Uh, we right, I, that's, that's at least how I feel. Uh, yeah. Very much seems like that. You could say the what his uh, his heist movie um, was fucking like Inception, right? So it's like sure. this this is that that version of. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, like I said, with the, the that scene that we were talking about earlier, that that really is the scene that either you're is going to make or break this movie for you. I feel like, and there's not not necessarily really an in between. Yeah. Um, I, I I very much grew to appreciate this movie over these viewings the last few weeks more so than I did because I, I had watched it. I'm like, I like that movie. It was good, but I think I grew to like this a lot more over the subsequent viewings this week because of 
a lot of things that you're saying and a lot of things that like I think it's just meant to like <laughs> what Nolan meant for this movie essentially. Um I think he's this is him at his most self-aware, right? I mean, it, the mm-hmm. fucking main character's name is the protagonist for fuck's sake. Uh, right. uh <laughs> and I think that that conversation with Neil in the shipping container as they're going over uh towards the climax of the movie really kind of ties that up for me. Um just because of that he's like all the shit that they're throwing back and forth well all right do we want to talk uh, uh, before we get into the superlatives what about all the theories with this movie so like specifically the uh maximilian as cat's son is neil grown up where do you subscribe on that theory because i'm gonna be well i'll be honest i these viewings kind of almost skewed me a little bit in that way because mm. after because I remember seeing like hearing that in 2020 I'm like oh that's weird that seems like it's reaching but I don't know there's a lot of things in these viewings I've gotten out of it that I'm like oh maybe like yeah. ne- Neil cares way more about Cat than someone he's never met he's like caring for her a lot on the the, the shipping container he's right. the one that's like administering shit there's a lot of other like things that you wouldn't think necessarily that i don't know i I feel like i'm skewing more so in that line of thinking than than i was before what about you like where where do you fall with that yeah i've I've thought about it a lot over the years i like it as a fun theory um I, i think that if you want that to be the reality of the movie then you you can just believe that that's fine sure i i i sort of like the idea that Neil is somebody that the protagonist recruits, um, you know, independently. Like, like there's something about that. It, it feels more like the, I don't know, like you said, the Mission Impossible of it all, the, the Bond of it all. Like, 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 it has more of that flavor to it for me if it's not Cat's son. But mm-hmm. I, I'd be lying to you if I said I, I didn't want it to be that he's he's her son. You know, it, it, so... Part of the theory would require some inversion of that kid at some point to be the right age at yeah, that it's time. Like, he would have to be like 15 or something, right? Like, and so in order to be like 30 yeah. plus, right? right? Yeah, to match right. up with it all. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that it's impossible. I, in fact, I think that it, it's it's very possible. The only thing, and I, you know what's funny? For as many times as I've seen this movie, I don't have ultimate clarity on this. I don't know whether or not Neil, when they're at Freeport for the first time, I, I, I am not convinced one way or another that that is the first time that Neil is seeing somebody inverted in time. Um, mm-hmm. If that's the case, then he can't be Cat. He, he can't be Cat's son because he would have to know and understand time inversion and experience it himself and be willing to live in it for a long time for that to make any sense. Um, and and so- the the logic of the movie, I don't know what you would gain for inverting a 15-year-old kid for 15 years to then become an adult just to, like, be part of your plan for this one, uh, like, week of, of your life to then basically so, go to your death, you know? Yeah, we're getting into, you know, whatever terrible... So why would then his... Why would he just let John David Washington's character go once he realizes it's him, too? because uh, right. he's like oh that's it and then he le- he like walked off he's like he escaped uh, he got away or whatever the fuck he said he was detained or 
right? Because it, it, well, right? Because uh, John David Washington is fighting the inverted version of him, and the other versions on that other side with Neil. And yes. then they're they're in a fight, and at a certain point, the mask comes off. He sees him, and then he just kind of leaves him at that yes. point, right? Yeah. So, so while seeing his, while oh yeah, <laughs> I know I know what you're shot. saying. I know what you're saying. So he's seeing a double version of himself. Yeah. So so why he just lets yes. him? He just like walks off at that point. Like he's like, all right, I don't know. We're getting into, of course, <laughs> all the questions in this movie. But yeah, that 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 yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> that's a good. That's a, that's a really good point. He, I guess, in order to react in that way, in a moment, he would have to recognize, oh. I, that's that's me. I've inverted at some point. I need to just let him go. Okay, and, and just move on. So I guess so, you okay. have to so, have so all is that, that context is that, before. Is that Neil inverted on the other side with Neil, or is that John David Washington's character as well? Because I, I guess I was under the impression it's John David Washington's character. Oh, it, it oh, into oh. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It totally is. I'm confused. We're we're yeah. Okay, we're beyond <laughs> pale here. Yes, brains exploding. Yes. So. Uh, okay, so here's what I would say to that. Neil has to have some background knowledge of time inversion at this point. Mm-hmm. He has to. Because in that scene, if that's the first time he's experiencing that, you've got to think that he just like doesn't even know what the fuck he's looking at. And, and he's just yeah. like, I, I, okay, I, like we got to react to this now. Yeah, for sure. But once he sees the protagonist... I feel like he has to recognize in a split second, oh, he's inverted. We got to get the fuck out of here. Okay, got it. And then just move along. So, yeah, okay. See, see, that, that makes sense. That's, yes. Yeah. So yeah. then that's interesting. That then is more evidence that he may actually be Max. Well, see, I guess, I guess with my interpretation of this movie is that there's multiple neil's obviously going through time and i mean yes. there's multiple of them right i mean of course because he fucking dies at the end of it right he, he right. sees him he sacrifices himself for ives and and uh the protagonist to get away at the end so in that timeline he's dead but there's multiple like so there's yeah there obviously there's multiple timelines going on within this movie of course happening well i don't know okay so <laughs> semantics here i don't know that it's multiple timelines i think that it's uh, the same person who has inverted and uninverted yes. and inverted again and uninverted so then yes, it creates a situation continuously where like, yeah, yeah yeah so it creates a situation where like the freeport sequence right so there's actually there's a there's a moment where there are three protagonists in the same space at the freeport and then there have to be at least two if not three meals mm-hmm. and there have to be two cats so there's definitely moments in the movie. I would love, and I'm sure somebody's done this, uh, like a, a map, like a, like, a, like a literal map that visualizes certain scenes to trace like where a character is at one point in time with linear time to figure out, okay, at, you know, from like minute two to minute five of the Freeport sequence, you've got three protagonists and two Neils. And then like from minute, you know, six to seven of that same sequence, you've got like, Three kneels for a moment, then it's down to two kneels. There are two cats down to one cat, but there's still like three protagonists. <laughs> then there are two protagonists because yep. one gets back onto the ambulance. Then at some point, there's another one that comes in. Um, I feel like you could do that in a couple scenes in this movie, and it would be a really fun way to like visualize what's going on there. For sure. Um, <laughs> but that's the stuff that I love. The, like, I've never seen another movie tackle this. You have Back to the Future 2, right? Which is like the classic example, time travel 
multiple versions of a person in the same space. It's it's linear. It works. It's a really good story. Doesn't actually make any fucking logical sense because, of course, it is a movie. But we can get into that in a separate podcast. Back to the Future 2 doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Not at all. It's a great movie. One of the best movie endings of all time. The time travel is bullshit. It's totally bullshit. But this movie, the fact that there's time inversion, if it was possible, you could see a way where, like, the logic of the movie, it would make sense that you had, like, three of one character and two of another for a certain amount of time, and then that goes away. But, like, what does that mean? The whole idea of, like, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. So, like, wouldn't that break one of the fundamental laws of physics in order to have the same person in in the same space in multiple copies and like uh, you know just like again noodle baking stuff going on in your head um i love that stuff i don't know i don't know what to tell anybody who doesn't like this movie i that fucking that'll make me watch this movie another 30 times before i die like it's it's, <laughs> it's the coolest shit possible um you know i i love uh you know, a, a 12 Angry Men as much as the next guy. Uh, I also love movies that have these, like, incredible science-based ideas taken to the umph degree. Like, that's just my shit. I love it. If you don't, I feel sorry for you as a human being. But what can you do? So, all right. There's a lot more. It's probably a good time for some awards. All right. Can it's we... that, dude! Oh, God damn it! You fucking kill me. What do you want? You want piss break? I say, yeah, I need to pee. I gotta pee. I, I've drank three drinks. I'm a, All right, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, back from a quick piss break. Uh, all right, so, uh, yeah, Kupka, another sounder for good measure. That's that, dude! Chad, what do you have for this? This is the uh, scene stealer or cameo. So, I went cameo on this, and I didn't realize this until these viewings. Clemens Posey. She's mm-hmm. fucking... She's Barbara. She's fucking Chloe from In Bruges. She's the pregnant fucking... Uh, yep. innkeeper for uh, Colin Farrell and Bernie Gleason didn't even fucking put that together apparently she's in Harry Potter also sorry she's never Flora seen a Harry Potter Delacour, movie Delacour dude Flora Delacour never, never seen a Harry Potter movie so really never in my life yep, oh my sorry. god we will uh, <laughs> I'm gonna remember that for a future movie homework I'm telling you that right now so. it's it's been my uh, like badge of honor never seen a Harry Potter movie so. nice I will fucking break you okay good to know alright so the Kupka for me uh, I mean come on have you ever fucking heard me on a podcast there's only one person I'm choosing Michael fucking Caine's in this movie like of course I'm choosing Michael mm-hmm. Caine he's sitting there he's having a sandwich he's got a, a, some really nice dentures for this one having a great time wearing a great suit I'm with fucking Michael Caine all day dude he's the fucking man come on yeah. Well, fucking what the fuck? All right, the valley. This is the punchable face. Uh, all right, so this is going to be difficult to pronounce, but um, this guy is one of Sator's main henchmen. Um, what I'm realizing. Hold on, sidebar. We didn't say a word about Kenneth Branagh in this movie. Kenneth Branagh is the fucking man in this movie. Like <laughs> chewing the scenery every goddamn moment he's on screen. This, like, Shakespearean award-winning, Oscar-winning director, uh, you know, one of the weirdest filmographies you're going to come across in terms of his directing capabilities. Uh, Star of of the hit uh, 1999 mechanical spider film Wild Wild West. Uh, What an actor. What an auteur. Uh, I fucking love him in this movie. Absolutely (laughs) love him. Uh, Every scene he's in is delicious. Uh... He's great. I hope he does more movies like this. Fantastic. But uh, PJ. PJ Jack. What's that? 
Stay tuned for my PJ. That's what <laughs> All right. So that's the superlative. Uh, okay. I got it. I got it. Uh, so <laughs> one of Sator's main henchmen is named Volkov. He is an actor named Yuri. This is a long last name. Kolokolnikov. Kolokolnikov. Sure, that guy. Uh, he's the bald dude. He's there in, in the finale. He's trying to uh, drop the bomb down the pipe. Um, he's that. Yes, dude. yeah, yeah. Is yeah. he the guy that's pulling that the teeth dude. out? He's the pulling the teeth out at the beginning, or no? That's a different guy, guy different actor. Um, that guy at the beginning, actually. Weirdly, oh, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I okay. Yep. Yeah, that guy at the beginning. I, I can't remember his name, but he plays um, Red Death in the Watchmen series. So I, I, I had recognized him when I saw the movie right away. Yes, um, he's his name is Andrew Howard, Red Scare and Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Scare, that's it. Red, not Red yep. Death. Red okay, Scare. yeah, yeah. That 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 would be a good rewatch. Okay, I'm I'm getting way off base. Okay, what what do you got for the Punchable Face? I went with Jefferson Hall, whose character is named Well Dressed Man as Punchable Face in this movie. He was the uh, he's one of the skeezy reporters in the Halloween 2018 remake who gets murdered by Michael Myers oh. really early. He's yep. Chevalier in Oppenheimer. Yep. He's just got a punchable face. He's not a bad actor by any means. It's just punchable face. That's where that's where I went. Yeah, <laughs> he's he, in the opposite also, at the beginning of the movie. He's it gets extracted. So yeah. Yeah, I think he was in either House of the Dragon or the last season of Game of Thrones. One or yeah, the other. Uh, he's he's Jason Lannister in uh, House. Right. He's also in Devs. He's in De- he's in a lot of good shit. Yes. I, he's just got a punchable face. <laughs> so. He does. He does. He, he looks like yep. a commie sympathizer too. So it fits. <laughs> He's also right. apparently in 20 episodes of Vikings, so if you watch that show, you know who the No, that's so. not my jam. So. <laughs> not me. Uh, yeah. All right, here we go. The Ammon. Tell me something about something I was reading about. Best quote. So what do you have for this? I already gave you mine. It's, there's, there's, of course, we live in a Twilight world. This is great. Uh, we get up to some stuff. is great, but I just went with don't try to understand it. Feel it. What about you? That's a great quote. Um, I, so I'm between two, and the other one, I think I butchered it here, but so the, the, this isn't the one I'm choosing, but this is the one that I think should be mentioned, because despite the fact that some of the dialogue in this movie is tough, I think it's a great idea, but there's a moment where Neil and the protagonist are talking about, you know, what's happened has happened, and Neil says something along the lines of, you know, our ability to carry out these things is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the known universe. Such a cool line, you know? Um, But I think the real great line is way earlier in the movie when the protagonist wakes up on the boat and uh, the guy, Faye, who's played by Martin something, who's... Martin Donovan. One of the... the, Insomnia. He's in Insomnia. No one's in Insomnia, He's in Insomnia. He's been in a bunch of Hal Hartley movies. Uh, I think he's been in a bunch of Canadian independent cinema, too. Very much uh, of that guy. Yes. <laughs> Very much. Yep. Yeah. Um, but he's got a line. There's a cold war, cold as ice. To even know its true nature is to lose. Um, such a cool idea, concept. And again, mm-hmm. for the people who are looking for like, you know, A to B to C to D, this movie isn't interested in giving it to you. So if you don't like that line, you probably, you know, you're not going to be on board with anything that comes after it. But, you know, it's the way it goes sometimes. I know this is a hot take. All right. Most entertaining scene. It it is a tough choice for me, but I have to go with the red room, blue room. Um, I have watched, I've watched this movie a dozen times. I've watched that scene. I don't know, 30, 40 times. Um, I still, 
still don't have it all figured out, but I keep coming back to it. It's one of the, honestly, it's like one of the most incredible pieces of filmmaking I've seen in, in like my entire time on this earth. It is so interesting. It's so fucking cool. I wish I understood it just a little bit better, but I think someday I will. So for me, it's that scene. What do you, what do you got? I went with just the car chase scene in general. Uh, yeah. Just the, the flipping backwards of that fucking car, mm-hmm. the fire fucking truck he's hanging on. That whole scene's just really cool. I, I really like that scene, so that's what I went with. So good. So many great mm-hmm. scenes. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, wow. TM, what's held up the best or what's held up the worst? What do you have? I have listened to this Ludwig van Grunson score like since I rewatched this a few weeks ago, just countless times throughout the last few weeks, I think the score is just fucking great. I don't give a yeah. shit if it's overpowering the dialogue. It's better than the fucking dialogue for me. I love it. I fucking love the score. That's what's aged the best. I don't have anything yeah. for worse. It's only three years old. It's kind of hard to say anything's aged the worst, but sure. I think the score is aged so well. What about you? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I love the score. Um, that, that opening track, Rainy Night in Talon, uh, that's on a bunch of my playlists. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the shit. Again, it's like, you know how it is. Some movies, you, you just remember moments in a theater. I remember a long expanse of time, the longest I think I'd ever been <laughs> since I was like five of going to the movie theater. Going to the movie theater to finally see Tenet and like the movie starting with that kind of propulsive score and it just like got me into it. I absolutely loved that. But um, I think the thing that is held up the best is the concept. And I think that this is going to hold true for a long time. I don't think... Despite everything that I want to see, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody will ever try to do this again. And that's a shame because I think that the idea is so interesting and so potent that you could do movies in other genres with this time inversion thing happening. Um, it's fascinating. I, I hope somebody comes up with a way to explore it in a meaningful way again. Um, I don't know if that's a sequel or... Uh, sort of a conceptual expansion. I, I don't know, but I just, I'd love to see it. So, um, for what's held up the worst, I, I do have to say the dialogue, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend, uh, a bunch of the script, nor Nolan's, uh, I don't know, need to not let the audience hear the dialogue all the time. Um, it, it's not a problem for me. Obviously I'm, I'm willing to overlook that. Um, but there's no denying that there are some sequences where <laughs> they're capturing, uh, dialogue via the mics on set. They have people moving in the background and it's two characters with like face masks on who are talking through the face masks and you can like see the condensation inside the masks that's further muffling their audio. It's just like, <laughs> I understand the immersion. I, I can respect that to a point, but it's like, dude, the movie's hard enough to follow. Just throw people a little bit of a bone. Not much, just like a little bit. <laughs> so, okay, so I... No, sorry to interrupt you, but no, 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 to go, go with... It. For, for my worst, there is a there is a line in this movie that's really cringy. Mm-hmm. It's when um, it's when they're talking about the world ending essentially, ah, yes. and uh, and she's laying there and she's like, "Even my son, or including my son, or whatever." Of course, everyone's like, "Pile on!" But I've seen that a lot online. It is it it feels really weird that he left that in there because it's like including him or it's like, yeah, of course, bitch, he's gonna die too. Everyone's dying. <laughs> I kind of like the idea that Nolan is this emotionless alien that makes movies and he's doing it on a level that like they're technically brilliant and and innovative, but like he has no concept of human emotion in in many of them. Um, 
I, again, I'm, I'm willing to overlook that. I don't give a shit. Well, well so much, right? There's a, a lot of his detractors say that he doesn't write women well. What? Uh, Tarantino? It isn't like all these directors. It's weird. They all never, none of them write women well. It's like sure. a, a running thing with them. Jack, do you like just women hating directors? What's going on here, dude? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I guess if those directors hate women, I guess I do. I mean, I'm not. I, I can only control what I'm doing, not what they're doing. You know what I mean? So. I don't... <laughs> They don't know how to write women. Oh, you fucking assholes. Ugh. Ugh. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. All right, moving on. Pete MC, best use of music. Yeah, I've said it a couple of times, but the opening for me. There's a lot of great music in this, but I, I'll i just never forget that score kicks in in that moment. It's like, okay, I'm back in a movie theater. This is fucking great. You have anything specific yeah, you want to point out, or just yeah. your score overall? Freeport is—I fucking yeah. love that song. Freeport is my shit. As soon as Pattinson's walking into that fucking, oh, right? As he's in the suit, it looks so fucking cool. He's just fucking yes. he's just walking in as that thing hits. Yeah, it's fucking great. I love that song, Freeport. My favorite Fantastic. whole album. All right, dynamite <laughs> drop in, Monty. PJ, this is the casting swap. I think I'm gonna be upset, but what do you have for this? Fucking Brana, bro. What we didn't fuck, talk about dude? him. I he's a fucking he's an over the top Bond villain in this movie. So which good. is fine. Which is it's fine. So I don't good. think he's I don't think he's bad. But if so I'm gonna good. change if I'm gonna change anyone in this movie, it's gonna be him. I like I think John David Washington is fucking amazing in this movie. For mm. he 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 does a good thing in this movie where he delivers something with like it's hard to describe because he has no emotion or no whatever like uh, but like you're there with him like he does a good job and I, he's a relatively newer actor he hasn't been in a lot of shit i think he's great i don't i don't buy brana as a villain he he the way he hits that dude with a gold brick he looks like a little pussy i'm sorry i'm going to say it little yeah. pussy cat and i get that he's hamming it up that's fine no issues by the way his beard is impeccable in 4K in this movie. It's I'm like, damn, I'm like almost like trying to grab his fucking whiskers. <laughs> um, but I went through a lot of the people that I'm like, all right, who could I see in this role? Who could I see in this role? I went with Christoph Waltz. Uh, okay, I could see it a little bit. I went with Mark Strong maybe a little bit. But I settled on Ray Fiennes replacing Sator in this movie. I buy it so much more. Hmm. Uh, I get he's a villain. I get it. But like... I don't know. I think the stakes with him are more like he, he also is a little bit taller than Brana probably. And maybe the giant woman is like over standing over Brana. It's making him feel like less like a man. I don't know if I'm going to replace anyone. I don't think Brana's bad, but I'm going to go Ray Fines in Brana's place. If I'm going to replace anyone in this movie, that's where I fall. What about you? You're mad at me. I'm sorry. That's just where I stand. He's all a fucking, I can say. Cheese can over say. the top cheese. The next time we're traveling anywhere, we're getting separate Airbnbs. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. So, you know, is there a weak link in the movie? Uh, you know what? I'm not an Aaron Taylor Johnson guy. I'm just mm. not. Uh, he's fine. He shows up midway through. His character's interesting. Kind of cool. Um, but I don't really care for the dude. I've just, I've been creeped out by him for a long time. I don't know why people don't, uh, or they maybe don't know this or don't remember this. So he was in... A movie, I want to say Nowhere Boy, or it might even be, it was another film. He met this woman who was like a school teacher, who was like a full 22 years older than him. They started dating, he was like 18 or 19 years old, immediately got her pregnant. And now they're they're like married with a couple of kids. 
There's just something weird about that. I don't know. This dude just like he fucking he, creeps me out a little bit. Um, you might you might know his wife Sam Taylor or Johnson as the uh, director of the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie. You know, there you go. Because that's what she did. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird. There's something I look. I mean, you know, do do what you got to do. But it just I don't know. That, something about that bothers me. I can't I can't verbalize it. And ever since you I might... read that ten years ago, I can never get it out of my head when I see this dude. So whenever he's in a movie, I'm just like, can we get rid of him, please? You know. So what you're um, saying is you're not on board with him being the new Bond because after Bullet Train, that's got a lot of steam. Listen, uh, I'm I'm not for uh, cradle snatchers. You know what I mean. So that's all I can say. <laughs> But All right. I, no judgment. No judgment. Whatever, whatever the dynamic there is is, is irrelevant. <laughs> um, I'm getting him the fuck out of this movie. And if I'm going to replace him with somebody, well, I mean, there's a natural choice who is doing good work with Nolan. Uh, it, it checks every box. I can't imagine that you're going to be upset about this. Let's just let's just you know slide ATJ out and let's just move Killian Murphy into that role. It's real mm-hmm. simple, you know. Moves yeah. right in. He's got the accent. Maybe he doesn't have the facial hair, but uh, he's still going to look like an imposing fuck, you know? Um, I'm, I'm not, for it. He didn't get jacked, though. Like, like I don't think Killian Murphy needs to get Ooh. jacked. Have you seen Peaky Blinders? Like, I don't think he needs That's to. That's true. That's um, true. I, that, that is the most... Like, of all the characters in the movie, his character is the most like, oh, okay. Like, that could have been any, like, right? It really could have sure. been anybody. So, sure. he's just he's just kind of there, like, oh, that is kick-ass. Okay, Karen Taylor Johnson's here. Yeah, um, I mean, he enters yeah. the movie with, like, no fanfare, and unless you know who he is, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to really miss him. So, I'm just thinking yeah. Killian Murphy's face is a little more distinctive. Let's take that facial hair off, and all of a sudden you get the fucking leader of the Peaky Blinders in this movie, and, you know, he ends up being pivotal to the finale. Like, that's... I'm on board. Who's not on board? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, just, just my two cents. Just my two cents. But, um, all right. And the uh, the extra credit. If we were going to swap out a binge staffer for somebody in this cast, who would it be? Um, I, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like I lean on this person a lot. But, man, it works. It would be hilarious. It turns this movie into a full-on comedy. But I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't want to see Ammon walking around inverted trying to fucking, you know, find a piece of a plutonium bomb. So I love John David Washington. So maybe we'll just make him his like extra sidekick that goes through the fucking inversion machine with him. Uh, I can't I can't think of anything funnier. Just just imagine Ammon with the fucking mask on trying to smoke at the same time. Like, yeah. All right. So I would I would I went the exact person with you. But he's okay. he's a member he's a member of the team, either going inverted or not, and he's just looking around, going, "What the fuck is happening right now?" Wait, 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 just wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. You, okay, so you had a question before: Who are they fighting in the finale? <laughs> if they're fighting themselves, then you could actually have a scenario where it's Ammon <laughs> v Ammon. Mm. I watch I like that it. movie. I like it. Movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all I could think, literally, I thought about this question, I'm like, it's got to be Ammon just saying, well, what the fuck is happening with this movie? What the fuck is happening around me? It's got to be Ammon. There's no one else. It's Ammon. It's fucking Ammon. He's so good for all of these fucking super... It's the, it's, it's the best. Uh, it, oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. All right. So, you know, winding this thing down a little bit, I did have one question for you. So I, I've harped on it a bit throughout this episode. And one thing that I really want to see is some kind of expansion of this concept, whether it be, you know, like I said, uh, it could be a book, it could be a comic, it could be a video game, whatever. It could be another movie. 
if somebody was going to take this concept and do something with it, do you have a director in mind that you'd like to see play with this idea? Man. Ooh. Off the cuff, you know what? Duncan Jones. Interesting. I, just That's just literally the first person that popped into my mind because he did Source Code. And I think yeah. that movie is a little underappreciated. I don't know. I feel like he could do something with this kind of yeah. premise already. I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't think about this literally at all. That's just the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, do you have someone in mind that you you think of? Yeah. Um. Your your buddy Sam Raimi. I mean. Oh shit! Yeah. I, it would be a totally different style, different kind of movie. But man, can you imagine like Bruce Campbell getting inverted and sent backwards through time to like. <laughs> defeat some deadites or something i don't know like whatever oh, it is crazy. I, mean, it, 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 I just feel like it's such a cool concept and i i just know we're never going to see it again and it, it makes me upset because it, it's one of the reasons why i will always go to bat for this movie even with people who actively dislike it or even hate it you know i just think it's rare that you get something that is so unique and so like interesting and special with a movie and this is something that i i, I really think much like Memento, nobody, it, it, nothing's going to get done with this concept ever again. So you should really try to dive in and appreciate this as it exists. Because I think it's a great, great thing. And, you know, that's, this, this is my soapbox speech uh, for the night. But, it, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's a unicorn of a movie. I don't think that we'll ever see something like this. So if you saw it before, you didn't like it, didn't understand it, didn't have the patience for it, maybe give it some time. But, like... Give it one more shot, because this movie is really, really cool. Very, very unique. Like you said at the top, I think it gets a little bit of a bad rep because of the COVID circumstances. But, man, I, I think this is just as good as, as any of the great Nolan movies, for my money. Um, but, but, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. All right. So, I, I had a few more questions, and then I want to I want to put you on the spot. Sure. But, um, okay. So, this might be going back a little bit. Say Tor's body flop after uh, she kills him, hits yeah. the fucking railing, flops. Ten out of ten, fucking amazing. The oh, body's great, great flopping, flop. amazing, amazing, great flop. Um, so this is it's gonna be get back into weird. Oh, my mind is yada yada. But why is Cat not in reverse when she's in the future killing Sator on the boat? She's like one of the only characters, right? Because she's not. The same, right? She's she's supposed to be going, and he's she's the future. I, oh, okay. He, so yeah, I, you I can, yeah, I can make okay. this up for you. So okay, red room, blue room happens, right? So she's been shot and then brought through the machine, and then Aaron Taylor Johnson shows up, and mm -hmm. he says, "Has has she been shot with an inverted bullet?" And protagonist is like, "Yep." He's like, "Fuck, she's only going to live for three hours." So then immediately protagonist goes, okay, well, you know, a week ago in Oslo, there was a, there was a machine. We could take her to that. And he's like, okay, fine. We'll do it. So they go through the machine. They travel backwards about a week, uh, you know, to get the, uh, inside of that uh, storage container, right? They travel back to the Freeport and experience the whole Freeport situation with the airplane explosion again, but this time, uh, you know, going backwards, right? Getting through everything. Mm -hmm. They they send her back through the machine. So at this point, all three of them are in a state of 
moving forwards through time. So they've essentially lived their lives up to the point, the Red Room, Blue Room. They've now moved backwards by a week. So they're a week older, but they've tra- okay. they've inverted, so they've traveled back in time, and now they're moving back forward through time. Elizabeth Debicki's character, Kat, never inverts again, while John David Washington and Robert Pattinson do. The reason that they invert is because they're participating in the temporal pincer maneuver. But Kat is not doing that. She is separate from that. So if you remember, she's in a storage container on the boat. Her and the protagonist have a conversation and then the protagonist walks away, right? So Mm -hmm. at some point between that scene and when we see her on the boat, uh, on the speedboat going towards the yacht, it's implied that she goes through the machine one more time. You know, to make sure that she's moving forward through time. Then she goes and does what she needs to do. Gets on the boat, goes to the yacht, kills Sator while they're doing all their shenanigans, getting the the pieces to the bomb and moving backwards and forwards through time to resolve that situation. So there is one extra moment in between there where I think the dialogue suggests that like she's going to, she's going to uninvert. And when she does that, she'll then be moving forwards through time again normally. And that's where she ends up. So okay. if that makes, I, I explained that yeah, best it, that I could, it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, it, it cleared it up a little bit, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've always wanted that. So, yeah, okay. Right, right. All right. So last thing before we go, top five Nolan, put you on the spot. Huh. Um, can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do yeah, it off I the mean, cuff? Or... Number one's Dunkirk. Um, okay. Number two is probably the dark knight tenet is three i think oppenheimer's four and memento's five i'm pretty comfortable with that okay okay i I like that list yeah i feel like that might be my top five also just maybe you rearranged a little bit yeah yeah i like it okay all right good shit i'm good with this i'm good with this i think we've got it all out i had everything i've written down every question i had yeah i I, i've covered i've covered tenet I, i don't know what else to say about it all right, ten- What's tenant backwards? Oh, it's tenant. Oh, okay. That's right. Got it. Pull up. Got it. It's Got a palindrome, it. son. Think about it. Think about it. Um, Bruh, there are... Apero. Oh, my God. Um, there are at least a dozen other little details and connections that I didn't bring up in this episode just because this could be three hours if I wanted it to be. Uh, I don't want to do that to people. But but there's a lot. There's a lot to chew on. I love this movie. It's uh, it's one of my modern favorites. Um you know, I don't know that it's a 10 out of 10 movie, but it's it's one that I spend a lot of time with and thinking about. And I just have a great time uh, watching both by myself and with my friends. Um, it's, it's a fucking hell of a time. Uh, to me, this is like an easy A+. Uh, full marks. I love Tenet. I, I've always loved it. I probably always will. So, uh, Chad, what do, you, what do you give this movie? I... Came into this movie as a solid, like, I like that movie. It was good, but I didn't necessarily love it. And it was, uh, it was probably like a C plus, to be honest. Like, C plus, B minus. It's moved to a B plus for me after these viewings. I really, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is a good movie. This, I appreciate everything this movie is doing. I don't necessarily understand it all. Does anyone? But... I love, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily a Nolan Mark like you. I I've liked all of Nolan's movies though. I there's not one of his movies that I don't like. Mm. Uh, even following, I like following. Um, 
yeah, I, I think this is very, very solid. And I think, th- th- honestly, more viewings of this will only bump this up for me. Uh, I, I, the score I will continue to listen to because I think it's fucking sweet. Yes. And I think Ludwig is that dude. I'm so happy you started working with him. Uh, sorry, Hans Zimmer. I, I, this and uh, Oppenheimer back-to-back as far as scores, I they're fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where I stand. B+. Plus. B+, plus for me with uh, with Tenet. Awesome. Very solid rewatches. Really had a good time with this. So Awesome. All right. Well, obviously, I strongly encourage anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it in a while, give it a rewatch. Even if you got to split it up into multiple viewings, watch those action sequences with, with, a, with, a, with a magnifying glass. There's a lot of good shit in those scenes. Uh, it's great stuff. But All right, man. Um, well, a couple weeks from now, there's a, a big release coming out. Uh, people are excited about the new exorcist film is it uh sorry exorcist believer is that the first one believer yes believe. Yeah. david gordon green yeah who's, yeah the man who brought fu- us such classics as halloween kills and halloween ends so those are two of the best horror movies of all i'm just kidding uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, all right so yeah. obviously we need a tie-in for that uh i don't know chad what are, what are you thinking i think we need to go back the fucking dude, William Friedkin, one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he's one of yours as well. We've never yes. touched on it. The original Exorcist coincides with it. The guy just fucking passed away a month ago. Honor of him. Halloween is here. It's time. Let's fucking do it. The Exorcist Prime. Prime for the, the rewatch and the, the movie homework. So it's fucking awesome. 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 Okay. All right. Um, binge movie homework at gmail.com. That's still the email. Go ahead and send us your suggestions for uh, future episodes. Certainly don't send them via, you know, Patreon, Discord chat or anything like that. Uh, you can, but the email exists for one purpose and one purpose only. So, uh, I don't know, maybe fucking use it, you know, maybe do that. We'll see. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Chad, you got anything else for the people? Other than me living in a Twilight world? Absolutely not. No. No. <laughs> All right, man. That's it. I'm saying peace. Hey. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge Movie Homework.